0: The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions.
1: Yeah, I I work from home, so. Oh, okay. That just makes it so much easier, yeah. Except if you get distracted then, right? Or get distracted every day, and that's (laughs) nobody catches me. (laughs) I do three hour three hour podcast recordings and no one knows what I'm doing, and then I call in and be like hey uh, just checking out on this okay cool i have no clue yeah the perfect crime
0: Whoa. welcome to season one episode one of the better band podcast hosted by brandon palomo an all-encompassing trip through the pearl jam catalog Each episode, a new guest and I go track-by-track through every album, soundtrack, and single to discover why you simply can't find a better band. Hi, this is Brandon, and today we are opening with Once, and my guest today is Randy Sobel. How you doing, Randy? Doing great.
1: Thanks for having me on, man.
0: Oh no problem. This is this is this is the first one, so you better you better be
1: good. Uh well, you know I'm already horrible on my own podcast, so I, I couldn't be any worse. <laughs> and we, we can we can
0: we can spread the suck around, right?
1: <laughs> I don't I don't want you like leeching on to my awfulness. Um, you know, oh, if I you got, want to find your own path own. for awfulness, go go right ahead. But no, don't 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 take my cue for for that. You know, just find your own way.
0: Oh, I got I got depression and self loathing for days, so it's all,
1: <laughs> it's all. all
0: here? So uh, I, uh, I'm was sort of inspired by the um, you talking you two to me, and are you talking on you talking REM, the, the, the Scott Ackerman and, uh, Adam Scott podcasts about U two and REM. And so I, I of course had to steal their, their big question and I got to open it up with, uh, with that asking you, when did you first hear of Pearl jam?
1: You know, that's, um, that's a loaded question. Um, a 16 gauge loaded question, by the way, uh, since we are <laughs> doing ones, Um, you know, I, I don't remember, I have a moment that like sticks out in my head where I'm like, yes, this is, this is, I'm a fan of this band that I remember. Um, Mm -hmm. but the first time I'd heard of Pearl Jam, I think it just like became one of those things where you just keep hearing the name over and over again. And, you know, I, you know, I'm younger than the average Pearl Jam fan. I'm 32. So, in '92, when they were hot, I was five, six years old. Uh, and like, I, you know, I, I knew, I knew Nirvana and I knew Pearl Jam. I had an older brother that really kind of passed down a lot of his musical tastes and musical interests to me. And um, you know, I, I think a lot of car trips their Pearl Jam music was, uh, was playing in the car and some of it, uh, you know, at a young age, like 10 and under, it would somewhat attach and, so, and others wouldn't. I think, um, I was way more visual back then. So anytime I would see music videos that would kind of attract me a little bit more than, uh, listening to it, you know, on the radio or, or listening to a CD. So I knew Jeremy and, Really, I didn't see a lot of the Evenflow or Alive videos because once, uh you know, once those videos kind of, uh, the time frame kind of left, they continued to play Jeremy because it was such a hit. And they didn't really play Alive or Evenflow much after 92, 92 93, because, especially because mm-hmm. Pearl Jam really wasn't doing videos at all. Uh So... Really, like, you know, I got Jeremy in 10, and I started listening to 10 probably when I was 11 or 12, but it was one of those things where, where you're young, you're just kind of bouncing around to uh, the hit tracks and the stuff that you're familiar with, and, you know, it's not like nowadays where you can just make a Spotify playlist, you just kind of put in a CD and, and skip and skip and, you know, and then go on, uh, but... It really wasn't until nineteen ninety eight when Yield came out where I was uh it really made an impression on me and that's when uh the do the do the evolution video was uh was on M T V and I saw the Todd McFarlane art and it I still to this day it's one of my favorite music videos of all time. Uh just such a cool concept and you know, all the different uh things and scenes going on in there just makes it so much fun and, and uh from there You know, I do remember the day that I went out and bought Yield. I believe it was either the week after or two weeks after it came out. And I just remember that uh, I got in trouble for something. And I remember my dad, uh, my mom was the one I got in trouble with. But my dad came home while I guess my mom went food shopping or something. He's like, hey, do you want to go to the mall and go to Record Town? Yeah, Record Town. Remember Record Town? And I'm like, "Yeah, of course I do, no. so uh that's that's when I got yield. I went right home, I put it uh, on my stereo, and uh uh hearing the one, two, three, four, one, two, three four, and Brenda to J, I'm like, What's going on here um, mm-hmm. and then going into the whole thing, and I just that whole album just had this like cozy feel to me i I always listened to it on car rides and uh plane rides and it was it was that and offsprings americana that and nimrod from green day that i was really obsessed with around 12 13 years old so that you know it it really stuck and you know i from binaural till A little bit before avocado i was i was halfway in halfway out like i was you know listening to other stuff but then once avocado came out i was i was full in and i was obsessed by that point so that's you know that's kind of my story it's a little bit different but you know
0: oh hey everybody everybody has their own all-encompassing trip
1: right hey
0: (laughs) and so pearl jam
1: i like them here we are. <laughs> Don't know if you've heard.
0: Oh no. Tell me tell me about no. Uh so once the uh from the infamous Mama-San demos, it's like the second song in the storyline, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: Um the whole storyline kinda obviously, you know, you have to go back to the demo tape and uh you know, Jeff and uh, Stone and Mike putting together the demo tape. I believe the drummer on that tape is Matt, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I don't think it's Dave K. I I think Matt's the actual drummer on the tape, mm-hmm. uh, which is funny because you can say that he was the original. That demo tape gets over to in the hands of Jack Irons, and Jack Irons gives it to one Edward Lewis Severton Vetter, who goes surfing one day and listens to the tape and the rest is history. And he gets, you know, all these ideas in mind. And at the time, uh, he's in a band called bad radio and they might've broken up at the time. I'm, I'm not too sure, but he has a connection to Jack irons from there, uh, in San Diego or LA, wherever he was living in California. And, you know, he just gets inspired by hearing these three songs, uh, alive, wants and footsteps, and writes, you know, puts together some lyrics to this, and they really all kind of, especially on the mama son, but you know, a little less when it comes to ten. The the story idea kind of goes away a little bit, but the mama son is really about um, kind of Eddie's situation with his father. That's how it kind of get gets kickstarted, and um, you know the the whole point of alive being that you know his mom coming into his room saying you know your real father's who you thought was your father is uh is not your dad and then the whole second verse which is alluded to a rape situation um isn't no that's not actually a rape i think that's eddie just using his words by saying Mm -hmm. um it felt like i was raped of everything that i knew Um, you know, everything that, uh, I grew up knowing from the time I was, you know, a baby till I was 14 was a a complete and utter lie. So that's where you get into the paraphrasing a little bit and the, the metaphors and it really makes it interesting. And it's his real deep dive into it. And then you get into, to once in footsteps where he's really trying, um, he's building a character here and he's kind of saying, okay, well, what could have happened had I've gone in a different direction? Had I have, had I have gone completely insane, uh, because of this one situation, what, or maybe Eddie's saying to himself, he's saying like, how was I feeling? Like Mm -hmm. what kind of person did I feel like I was going to become? And that's really where once comes in where, it's, you know, a situation about a serial killer who, you know, is uh, uh, taking out people left and right on the back street, and he's unapologetic about it. And Footsteps is the finale. Uh, and you know how bad it is because Footsteps, he's on his last legs. He's, you know, he's walked footsteps in the hall he's he's walking to the electric chair what have you Mm -hmm. his death penalty and he keeps saying it was you it was you meaning it was his mother's fault the whole way through that he became this evil maniacal you know insane person who became a serial killer which he depicted in once so that's really when it comes to, to 10 once is not the most important song on the album but it I, I could argue that it's the most important song that brings together the whole MAMA song
0: mm-hmm. now the way it starts with uh, with a little bit of uh, the hidden track Master Slave on there before it gets into the song do you think that that was something that was kind of intentional to bring everything around kind of full circle or like what, what do you think about the way that they start that as opposed to the greatest hits remix where they just start right out with the, uh, with the song without take, without the intro part.
1: Um, Well, master slave is, is certainly a Jeff thing. Um, you know, that was his little thing. And I think, um, I think they wanted to start if, if I'm trying to channel, what their their vision was here. I think they wanted Mm -hmm. to start out a little unpredictable. And when they start out a little slow, you're hearing these songs on the radio alive and even flow. And you're thinking, okay, this is just going to be like a hard gritty album. So when they start out like that and you turn on the album for the first time, you're thinking like, what is this? It's kind of this like real nauseating, um, you know, just vibe to it. And then all of a sudden Mm -hmm. it, the switch flips. And it's like an alarm clock goes off and once starts. And it's it's not it it's not like you roll over and get out of bed and you kind of just you know, you're holding up your head and you're you're trying to wake up. It's you you get up off your pillow and your eyes are wide open, you you had a bad nightmare. Yeah. This is what that that is. You're had, once is a bad nightmare and it it continues to be um, has it anxious feel the whole time and and i feel like the way that master slave kind of goes into that it's like kind of a calm before the storm and and then going back to it after release kind of brings everything full circle which i i always thought was really cool why uh w-
0: what is it about this song that that you just had to p- push and kick everybody out of the way so that you could uh you could get crack at it
1: well i, I- I'm obsessed with al- album openers. Um, you know, I I I think that it's so imperative to have a a good kickoff to an album because or else if if you don't the album the, the mood is already questionable. Like I I used to go through when I was a uh, a program manager for my college radio station. We get like loads of cds about like 15 to 20 cds in a week and i would sit through and because part of my job was i wanted to make recommendations to people and i wanted songs to uh i started charting things and charting how many times songs would get played and uh so i would pick kind of the songs you know here's my top 10 or top 20 songs that you would play every week that you know that are kind of Uh, that i'm hot on and you know give people suggestions so i would sit there i would sit outside the radio station booth and i would have my laptop there i'd have my headphones in i would put the cd into my laptop and on each jewel case it would say hot tracks tracks three five and nine something like that. And I would turn Hmm. it on and because I had so much to go through and I had like an hour break in between a class, uh, between two classes, I had an hour break for lunch. I would uh, sit there and I would try to get through as much as possible. So uh, say track three, I'm not into it at first. Like it's slow or it's just, it's just not my style. I would get, I would have like a 20 or 30 second rule where I would turn it off. After 20 or 30 seconds, I would try another song just in case. Yeah. But if that song did hook me right away, that's it. The album was off. If you don't catch me in the first 30 seconds or so, I might not like the album. And that's not just the hits. It, you know, the hits are the hits. You know, everybody's going to remember what's on the radio. But to really be remembered, to really create a legacy, you need to have... 10, 11 songs that are just mesh well together that you can sing to, that you can uh, associate with, that you can have emotions for. And again, once is that alarm clock, it, it kicks everything off. It wakes you up. And although you're, it's, it's very tense. It's very anxious. It really, it gets you, interested for more i i I don't really know anybody that uh doesn't like the song you know i've never talked to anybody that that's like you know I'm, i'm just really not into once it's and that's pivotal for your debut album to have something that kicks off like that and you know that that just Goes through and it's so well paced too. Um, the whole time it just gets kind of deeper and deeper, especially with that that bridge. that and then kind of slows down a little bit when Eddie kind of starts talking to himself and then uh, chanting once, once at the end and everything like that. It has a fever pitch to it. Then once once that ends, you kind of the madness kind of fades away a little bit you get to go a little groove uh for even flow and it's a little more feel good it's a little uh more cheerful it's a little happier and and it's a hit so um right away uh, and obviously if at the time you knew alive too so right away you have three songs the first three songs you're hooked on that's extremely important when putting it together in the album organization
0: so do you think it's more important to start with a if if you're starting an album to start with a hit like your single or to start with something that's sort of like the thesis of like this is who we are this is our mission statement this is this one song encapsulates sort of what we're all about and you know then we'll get on to you know uh, a single or something that's a little bit more poppy maybe, or something more accessible. Yeah, I, I
1: I would say, I would say the thesis part, I don't, I don't think it's imperative that you start off with it. I actually think it's a little, um, uh, it, it could be, it could be a negative, um, you know, nevermind starts out with smells like teen spirit. And if you're, if you're really into the, into that as a hit, I, I think was in bloom was number two on that. album. I I can't remember off the top of my head, but those are two hits to start off with two songs that that are really well known. And then, you know, come as you are, I believe is number four, number five. So really you're, you're packing a lot in and it's really a lot of a side. You're, you're telling your fans what all the a sides are instead of saying, Hey, everything is good. Everything here deserves to be an a side. There are no B sides on this record. That's what mm-hmm. makes a record special. And let me just say that I I'm not trying to say that Nevermind has B sides on it. I think it's a perfectly great it's a great record. But no, you don't need a single to start off. You you do need something that's gonna hook you though. Um Once definitely defines and sets the tone for the album because you can see the pacing, you kind of uh, you start off real, like I said, real tense, real anxious. Then you groove with even flow. You keep groove a little bit with alive and then you get a little bit more tense and anxious with, with why go a little bit. That's still a little gritty. And then black is really a come down and, and, you know, it's the emotional one. So you, everything kind of gets tied in together and it's almost once you hit Jeremy, that's another hit. So you, you hit the restart button. Where you can get into it again, song six, and you can say, okay, the first six songs, I Mm -hmm. I already knew three of them, but those other three, though, I'm into this. Okay, I'm really into this. And then, you know, follow up with Ocean's Ocean's Porch, Garden, Deep, Release, and, you know, if you want to call those B-sides, go ahead and call them B-sides, but that's a strong, strong B-side album so especially with what porch became as you know a staple yeah. of their live catalog uh and what release means to people that's you know that that right there is strength that's that's not that's not help help and get right that's those are strong notable songs to this day
0: is there anything else about this song that uh you you got to you got to get out there?
1: God, there's a lot. Yeah. Um <laughs> Okay, we already Well, hell, I'll just keep sitting back and Yeah. Uh... Um man, and feel free to to throw in what you got, too. Um Eddie's not necessarily singing a song here. He's playing a character. Mm-hmm. He is portraying a serial killer that has gone insane and is unapologetic for it he's and you can tell because there are two verses that kind of have the same sort of scenario backstreet lover on the side of the road got my bomb in the temple and it's gonna explode which i love that line i can get to that in a second but and then he goes back to it indian summer and i hate the heat come on man i mean look why are you you're going and you're complaining about the heat when you're going through the situation so is it is it rising the tension like that that it's not like i hate the line or anything like that but why why would you have a preference in which temperature you would want to kill your 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 victims In
0: well i mean like when when stuff is hot it just i it, mean it, yes it makes it know, more florida strong, yeah. as florida as an example of of people just yeah, not he, being quite okay, right, then, then, right i see your point
1: I do see your point with the Florida. Yes, people, when it when it is hot, people do kind of lose their all their sense in humanity. That makes a lot of sense. I didn't even think about that.
0: Yeah, and I, I don't think I, uh, I I I realized the the uh, the Indian summer lyric until you know they they put all the lyrics up on their website. Sure, like I, I had no idea what the heck he was saying. Did you there. think
1: it was maybe it's summer and I hate thee? Because I I used to think it was that.
0: I, I don't know. I was like, in a, in a, in a, hey, 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 be beat or something like that. In a, <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> no, I was just like, ah, oh, he's just scatting.
1: Those sound like all like words right just there. Scatting away. Well, actually, speaking, speaking of which the, the original Mama version, that's essentially all he does is just, he, he really gets into the mind of, of a of a sociopath in that because he's during the whole verse he's just you can't tell what he's saying he's just like I did it I did it and I don't care mm-hmm. that I did it I did it and then uh, during that pre-chorus I don't really know what, what what is he he's kind of saying what you do? Yeah. what you do too and I really don't it's it's the best way to put it is that's ed still in bad radio mode trying to bring it to pearl jam and they're like okay we can he brings it back to Stone and jeff and they're like okay we can work with this um this is not exactly what we're looking for but this is a (laughs) really good start and that's where you get the full product with once and it's just little things like you hear you know um even the first line i admit it what's to say and he's like breathing really heavy, you you feel that character that he, he's portraying. You feel like he's mimicking somebody that's clinically insane, that that doesn't, you know, what is this? Is Are the lyrics part of an investigation? Is he sitting in with the police and he's just mm-hmm. admitting the whole story to them and he doesn't care or, you know, it's really, it's interesting. It's interesting to all, Kind of break down, like I said, I, I I wrote about fifteen paragraphs of this, so it's you know, and to bring it all back together, this is all because of one moment that spiraled downward in his life, and that was uh, his mother's uh, his mother's lie. I think adding on to the whole opener and why this makes such a good opener, he's uh, he's telling a story, and it's like when you open a book and you're saying once upon a time, are you really going to put that as the fifth song? Mm-hmm. You know, that that's, yeah. you know, you need chapters and once upon a time starts your first chapter. And not only is it the first chapter of 10, but I always felt like it was the first chapter of, of Pearl Jam in a way. It's, it's the, um, if, if alive is Delaware, um, uh, once is Pennsylvania you know, of the original colonies. It's if, if alive is, is the Montreal Canadians um, uh, once is the Toronto Maple Leafs and people that are hockey fans that are listening are going to love this joke about the original six, just Earl would be like the Montreal Maroons. Yeah, I, I know I get crickets for that, but I, I'm such a nerd that, that I, I think that joke is really funny. <laughs> because the Montreal Maroons were a short-lived team in, like, the no, yeah, 1920s I... or something like that. But, like, when everybody thinks of Original Six, they think Canadians, Leafs, Rangers, Bruins, Red Wings, Blackhawks. And the Maroons were part of that for a while. You know, if you want to say, like, the Original Six of Pearl Jam are Once Alive, Even Flow, uh, Footsteps, um, mm. Release, Why Go... Uh, you know, and just a girl was you know was around at that time very early alone too uh you know they kind of I always think they go hand in hand, even though they really kind of mm-hmm. have ditched just a girl in recent years but um just a girl is is left off of that they they don't play it live anymore, they don't pay attention to it at all, so uh I think it's just funny to call them the Montreal Marines wall you know, the bigger songs that actually made the album are the ones that are hoisting the Stanley cup.
0: As, uh, compared to all the other like Pearl jam songs, like how would you rate this? Like out of like five stars or something like that. Do you think it's like, oh. like classic five stars or it's kind of.
1: I, good? okay. Well, I, I, I like to look at where it's something I didn't mention here. Here's a note that I didn't have for you, but, um, I'm going to read this verbatim just so I'm not wasting a whole lot of time. But if you listen to the early live bootlegs, including mm-hmm. the first ever show at the off ramp, Ed kind of toys with the song a little bit. Um, it's kind of somewhere in between the version that we got on 10 and the demo. He sings the verses normally, but then the pre chorus is completely different. And he doesn't do the whatcha do part, but um, the lyrics are completely different. So. You know the song. The song has obviously had life. It, it, it it's lasted a long time. It's been played for uh, 342 times live, uh, which is you know alive and even flower in the 800 territory. Uh, so, as
0: of this recording,
1: uh, who knows? Who knows when this will air? But um, you know they, they haven't went through a lot of periods where once was completely off of their radar kind of like uh, there was a time where they wouldn't play breath at all, or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, even some of the, uh, we always talk about on uh, live on four legs uh, podcast that, that I'm on. uh, We always talk about
0: plug yet. We're not to that part.
1: Oh, oh! I didn't. I'm sorry. If I if I broke no joke. If I broke the rules,
0: uh, hey, you know how podcasts, or I, I don't know how into podcasts you are, but you have to do the plugs at the end. Uh, we don't have you, structure. Everybody has to ask if they can cuss or not. Oh, I cursed and like Anytime five times. somebody says my wife, they have to say it like Borat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, uh. So, we're, oh yeah, I was I was going to say that um, we always talk about the Yield songs and how they have such a weird live trajectory, some of them. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, Low Light wasn't, when it first came out in 98, Low Light wasn't played until 2000, which I thought was really strange. And now it's a setlist staple. It's usually part of the first three songs if, if they're doing a slow burn. Um, mm-hmm. Push Me, Pull Me. Almost never played. Uh, All Those Yesterdays almost never played. Um, Oh, let's see. Oh, um, Pilot. Almost never. Like, uh, every 10 years it gets played average 15 times. Uh, No way. No way. Never, you know, 12 times. If you were lucky enough to hear it once, you know. I I was thankfully at PJ20, so it's one of my favorite songs off the album. So those... You know, they never go, seem to go back to some of those, but once is always one that, you know, they try to bring in as much as possible. So, um, they went, they went through times where they did cool off from it. 1995, they played around 50 shows. I think the full total, total was like 52 or something, and they only played it mm-hmm. four times. So that, you know, it being really, uh, early 95 and they're still doing a lot from 10 and verses. uh that's that's a low percentage for that song to not be played so okay that's one but the longest gap in between shows that they they went without playing it was from 98 to 2000 and frankly they didn't play a whole lot of shows in in 99 so yeah. um uh that was left off for 30, 30 shows in a row so Really, besides a couple of 20 and 24 show gaps, it's been a really consistent song. So that, you know, right there, it shows you um, how into it the band is in. It shows you how uh, the fans have stayed into it. The song has stayed relevant for all this time. And I think it is an important song in in the catalog, not just because it opens their, you know, most crucial album, and uh what many seem to to believe is their their best album out there um it is definitely the one that made them famous but um it's it's in that pantheon yeah, i i it's really tough to say where every song ranks it's it's not a radio hit it's not a and it, it's nowhere close to being a b-side but to say it's top 25 of like most known songs, I, I guess I can go on Spotify and see how many times it's been played. I bet you it's it's right right in between 20 and 30 on the ranking. So that's pretty good for as many songs as they have. They have about, what, 120 studio album songs, plus all the Lost songs. So that's pretty good. The song has held up really well. Um, when you hear it live, uh, everybody chants at the end. They They throw up their fist once once and everybody gets really into it. I remember the first time I heard it was MSG in 2010 and I was in the back uh where I was able to see the whole crowd. I was facing facing the stage and you just saw the whole arena just throw their fist up and I thought it was the coolest thing ever that you know everybody was just so into it and it's one of those songs where if you go into a Pearl Jam show where you haven't listened to the band in a couple of years, that's a song that you're probably going to remember. So it's held up. It, it's important. It's not the most important, yeah. but it is definitely crucial to their history.
0: <laughs> I love just winding you up and letting you go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't think I have much <laughs> more. To- I mean, it's pretty versatile when you hear it live. Yeah. You can open or close with it, you know? You have any, th- I, f- I feel like I've been the one sharing my, my thoughts on it. Do you have anything about it or?
0: No, no. I mean, I mean, it's uh, doing some of these, Uh, it's just, it's just awesome to hear other people talk about it because like, I don't like growing up and everything like that. I've always been you know, uh, shy and not talking to people a lot and everything. And, and even going to Pearl Jam concerts and stuff like that, like waiting in line, you know, it's kind of like, Oh, I know that there's, you know, everybody here has something in common and, you know, everybody's talking about Pearl Jam and, you know, just making another kind of a small talk. And I would just still be like, Nope, Nope. Can't, can't, uh, can't open up, can't yeah. do it, you know? And, and, right, uh, you know, finally, you know, grabbing life and saying okay you know what i'm gonna finally do something and you know open up and try to get you know in touch with people and everything like that it's it's you know just awesome to hear other people talk and to be you know excited and 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 about the same stuff that you are the even though you know it's you know it's super nerdy but it's it's also like not super mainstream where it's like oh yeah everybody loves pizza duh you know everybody can talk about pizza (laughs) yeah
1: you start a pizza podcast podcast,
0: ice cream podcast you know it's like
1: (laughs) my my friend's wife is a food blogger and she started her food blog the same time that we started our podcast Mm -hmm. and for like a week we were like hey we have like about 100 followers that's pretty good a week later she was on like 500 600 (laughs) while i was still like hey 200's coming soon (laughs) you know like but that's because food is so universal and you know if you post a picture of a churro 900 people are gonna like it because 900 people like churros it doesn't matter what kind of music they like it doesn't matter how old they are or what generation they're from churros are freaking delicious you know (laughs) it's uh but with Pearl Jam it's such a it's it's a niche base but it's a um it's a wild niche base where people the fans are just really passionate and, and insane about yeah. it no matter you know where they are on how long they've listened to them or how uh you know how hardcore they are into them or what you know album is their favorite you know there are still people to this day that are the hard consider themselves hardcore Pearl Jam fans that their favorite album is 10 still to this day, you know? Yeah. And, and it's, I think a friend, uh, my friend Bradley said it, said it best if I'm sure I'm going to send him this podcast. So um, uh, when I was talking to him one time, he said, we both said that our favorite albums were yield. And he said, I think that's the case. Whenever it's like the first album that you remember making an impression on you, that's like, like, in like your wheelhouse time, of you know, like being you know, of understanding and and enjoying music and entertainment. Um,
0: it's like that Ratatouille moment where he takes the bite and he's transported back to when he was a kid and everything. And
1: I've actually never seen Ratatouille, but I've never seen Ratatouille. I've never seen Ratatouille. No. Um, we were, oh I, great! Now I just spoiled it for you. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, we were just. I honestly, uh, about a month ago, I saw about three, uh, two thirds of the Incredibles, the first Incredibles mm-hmm. for the first time, and we just mentioned last night that neither of us had seen Wreck It Ralph. So, and that's before this this sequel is about to come out. So there's there's mm-hmm. a lot of Disney I have not seen because I, you know, am. A couple years away from probably having a child, so yeah, uh, I'm sure I'll get there at some point.
0: No, yeah, thank thanks for thanks for coming on, and you have a podcast, right? That you uh, now is the time when you can promote.
1: Oh yeah, that I <laughs> I didn't spoil before. Yeah, I didn't spoil that before. Um, yeah, uh, one of my uh, closest friends and I uh, started. Live on four legs, uh, back in September, and it was right after the Boston shows. What really inspired us to do the shows were um, I in March when, like, right before the tour started uh, down in South America, I decided to do uh, start a Pearl Jam fantasy league. And you know, I, I I would love to get into it and tell you all about it, but I. I don't want you, I, there there's not enough time I feel I I've spent a lot of time talking so just think pearl jam fantasy league you draft songs they get points and it's a lot of fun that's where our group that we uh that we started with ended up being like a real good group of people that you know we had a big chat room on Facebook going and and you know once the live shows would uh be happening we'd all be talking we'd all you know kind of you know, be discussing the shows and I I, I talked to Matt and I'm just like, dude, this could be a podcast. This could be serious. Like to focus on a different show every episode from their history. You know, it doesn't have to be current stuff that's going on now. It could be stuff from the nineties. It could be uh from uh, the riot actor, it could be from anything. We're on iTunes, uh SoundCloud. Uh, google play youtube uh we're also on facebook live on four legs feel free to email us at live on four that's the number four legs podcast at gmail.com we take show requests if you have a show that you're that you love to hear us cover that you went to that you have a good story for that's like the meat and potatoes of what we want to do we want to take people's requests and uh and turn it into a good show this past week that's what, what we did with uh San Jose from 1995. So that's that's what we've been doing, and it's a whole lot of fun. I, I love doing it. I'm kind of glad that like all these uh, other podcasts are are popping up now. We have a nice little community here.
0: Yeah, I've I've heard uh, people say like <clears throat> the the official term or whatever like that is 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 jam-ly, but I, I
1: yeah, it's a little. Eh.
0: I'm saying right now we it's the 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 pearl jam fam
1: pearl jam yeah. fam
0: you know fam short for family I, and you know people say like oh the blah 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 fam yeah oh the, yeah the pearl jam
1: pod of fam course. of course there
0: we go it's
1: it's funny on on our show a couple episodes ago we kind of said like uh cuz we we had to get a guest on that that uh his name is chris buckley who uh, went to the boston shows and met, us, met up with us on the boston shows he's a local guy in new york so we've hung out with him a bunch of times already and uh he says he's like so what's my like what's your 10 club am i in the 10 <laughs> club i must have like number five or something like that and i'm like oh yeah we're we're definitely the ligaments <laughs> I, I i love that or then i'm call i started calling the fans the ligaments so that's at least for us i i I don't think i can call a pearl jam fan that doesn't listen to our show a ligament i don't think they would take to it that well but you never know until you try
0: all right well thanks for coming on and uh uh, well i'll uh, have you back when uh when i get to go
1: thanks for having me and uh i miss you already and i miss you always see you next time
0: You can subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from ShoutEngine.com slash the Better Podcast using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ListenUpReno. I am on Twitter at BrandENP, and you can send us your email to betterbandpod at gmail.com, and I'll read them on the season finale episode. again i'd like to thank my guest randy sobel from the live on four lakes podcast and as always this is brandon saying quijibo a big dumb balding north american ape with no chin Listen up.